Well, good morning. Grateful to have you with us. Uh, my name is Ed Travers. If you are new to LifePoint uh, or new-ish, I just want to say grateful to have you with us. I'm the teaching pastor here at this campus, and I, I want to draw your attention to something. Uh, if you are newish and haven't checked in with us yet, if you take out your phone uh, and turn to the QR code, like if you turn on your camera, put on the QR code on a chair in front of you, or just type in lpguest.com, that'll take you to a landing page that is our online connect card. So on that card, you can hit the sermon notes button and follow along as I'm talking today. And you, they're interactive, so you can write down your notes and, and email those to yourself to have a record of what God's teaching you today. Uh, there's also uh, upcoming events. Then there's the guest information button. If you check that box, if you hit that button, uh, fill out a little bit of information and tell us how you heard about LifePoint. That's of a particular interest to me. Uh, and then when you scroll down, there are five ministries we support from all of our campuses. And whichever one that you have, you know, is of most interest to you, check the box and we'll do an extra $5 donation to that ministry just to say thanks for being here. It's a great way to connect with all the other guests at every campus to do something uh, good this week. Uh, so I just want to let you guys know about that. Uh, for all of the folks who were here last Sunday on Easter Sunday, I want to tell you it was the largest Sunday we've ever had in our history in Westerville. There were 681 people that day. Isn't that crazy? I... God is definitely doing something. There's, I will say this. I can't confirm it, but I'm pretty sure that's the largest number of people ever on any Sunday in this building in its entirety. Uh, just, uh, just an incredible activity of God last Easter Sunday. And I want to say to all of you who served, uh, took care of kids, or maybe checked people in, or were out in the parking lot, thank you for serving that day. I know it was a long day for many of you. Thank you for the way that you helped people connect to Jesus last week. So thank you for that. Um, want to also say that, uh, you know, this... This new series has got kind of some stuff going on in my head uh, that, that I was thinking about. We're, we're in a series called Playlist, and it's, it's about the Psalms, and it reminded me of a conversation I had a long time ago. So maybe like 20 years ago when I was first getting into ministry, I was um, with some guys, some, some friends of mine, that we would, we would meet together at a local restaurant in Gehenna, and we would meet there, and we would just kind of challenge each other, and, and we would talk about what God was stirring up in us and, and what the scriptures we were studying and, and uh, just things that God might do through our lives. And we would meet there every week in this kind of like small restaurant that was kind of wide open in its floor plan, and uh, we had the same server every week. It was a young lady named Molly, and Molly, uh, you know, she just became like one of us to the point where she would sit down with us, join in conversation, and she would eat the food off our plates. <laughs> like she was one of the guys. And uh, we, we really loved hanging with Molly. And the thing about Molly was Molly was not a Christian. She was not raised in church, had no real understanding of what uh, God and the Bible were all about. So I remember getting her a Bible one day and, and giving it to her and saying, hey, you should read this. And I would give her some pointers to see. So, so everything she was reading was brand new to her. And I don't know what happened. I know she came to a few Bible studies we had, but we lost touch. I don't remember if maybe she moved on to a different uh, job. I don't remember exactly what happened. It was too long ago. But there was one conversation with her I'll never forget. I asked her one day, I said, Molly, I said, so you've been reading your Bible? She goes, yeah. I said, what do you like? What, what do you like best about the Bible? And she goes, well, I really like the palms. And in that moment, I remember thinking, she has no idea that it's Psalms. But I didn't want to correct her. I thought that would have been rude. But why was she gravitating towards the Psalms? Because the Psalms are one of the most incredible books ever written. It's, it's really a collection of 150 poems and songs. And these songs cover the entirety of the human emotion spectrum. 
Like there's, there's, there's anger and frustration, there's, there's desperation, there's fear, there's adoration, there's confession, there's even some prophetic statements. I mean, it is full of all of the human emotion. It captures things. What we're saying in this series playlist is this, the big idea is that God writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. And if you're not familiar with them, then we're going to look at five different psalms over the course of the next five weeks, and we're going to kind of dig in. And and here's what I'm kind of gathering from what God is stirring up in me and in our church is this, that God uses the psalms to help us connect in prayer to him. Like anything that we're feeling or thinking, it's in the psalms. It gives us language to talk to God. And here's something I've recognized for people who've been in the church a long time, Um, Whether you were raised in church or not, most everyone struggles with prayer at some point. They struggle. And and I think it's because we struggle to connect our heart to God. Like, if we're going to have a personal relationship and be in conversation, we want to connect our hearts. And you know that if, if we sat at a table across from each other, coffee or lunch or dinner, whatever it is, if we're sitting across from each other and we share stuff from our life, then our hearts are going to be connected. That's just the way that relationships work. But with God, it's difficult, isn't it? Because he's holy and perfect and his glory and the very nature of who he is, if we saw him in our state of sin that we are in, we would just burn up. Like we weren't made to be able to see and talk to God personally, physically. So it's more like a long distance relationship where we're connecting through email, if you will. But, but you also know that it's true that you can write letters to somebody emails to somebody, or you can text them. You can, you know, send them the DM, but you know you can connect to people's hearts through written things, right? So why is it difficult with God? And maybe, maybe if you came in today and you're like, I didn't know you could really talk to God. I thought God was kind of like, God, uh, you know, please, if you'll just do this one thing, I promise I'll never do this again. Like maybe that's what you thought prayer was all about. It's much more than that. God actually wants you to connect your heart to his. That's what we're gonna talk about in this series and particularly today, how to connect your heart to God. That's my hope for us as we dig into the series and dig in today. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at Psalm 103 today. It's one of my favorites and I'm excited to share that with you. I'm gonna share three things. If you're on the app or if you're in that lpguest.com, hit the sermon notes and you can follow along. The three things I'm gonna share, the first, the first one and the third one are gonna be really short. The middle one is gonna be longer because that's kind of where I wanna camp out in. Um, but as I'm tracking along, I'm hoping you're tracking with me. But more importantly than all that, here's what I want. I know, I'm convinced that the difference between having a good service on Sunday and having a service that you leave changed is God himself. Not the way I speak, it is God. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. In this moment, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and pray. When you pray, just say, God, I'm seeking you right now. God, will you please speak to me? Help me to understand what you want me to know. And I'll pray for all of us, okay? Let's pray. Father, I know there's a purpose for all of us here in this journey and if you'll just speak to us, help us connect our heart to you. Even in this next 30 minutes, God, help us to connect. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, by the word of God, you would help us to see you more clearly and help us to see ourselves more clearly. Have your way with us, God. Speak to us. In your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, 
The first thing I wanna share is this, is this Psalm 103, is that we must train our hearts to remember what God has done. Psalm 103 was written by David. Uh, let me explain, if you're not familiar, David was one of the first kings of Israel. That during the time of the captivity, Moses brings them out, and then they kind of get out in the land, and for the next 400 years, they're led by judges, which is another way of saying God's hand-picked person to kind of you know, take care of the people. But God was their king. But over the course of 400 years, the people just kept rejecting God. And eventually, they basically said, we want our own king. We don't want God to be our king. We want a king. So God says, fine, that's what you really want. I'll give you Saul. Saul was not a good king. In fact, he was a terrible king in some respects. And so God basically said, you know what, Saul? You're so disobedient to me. I can't have you be the king. Your family line, not going to be the kings. So I'm going to pick someone else. And he sent his prophet uh, Samuel to go to a shepherd boy named David. He was the youngest boy in his family of a very large family, and he was out in the field taking care of the sheep because that's what he did. He was a shepherd, and Samuel went to him and anointed him and says, you are going to be the king over Israel someday. God had a call on his life, and he just went back to taking care of sheep. Eventually, uh, some six, you know, circumstances happened where there was this guy, this Philistine enemy of God named Goliath, who was coming against the people of God, and David felt compelled to fight him, and he does. He defeats Goliath, and that creates a, a victory in the war against the Philistines. And then David gets drafted into the army of Saul and becomes one of their leaders, and he becomes this warrior hero because he keeps defeating the enemies of God. On top of that, he eventually ascends to the throne himself. He becomes the next king of all of Israel. And under his leadership, Israel was never more solidified. He got rid of all the enemies and he just, they became an incredible nation under David. Now, he wasn't perfect. In fact, some of his mistakes were epically terrible to the point where it's, it's all laid out. They don't try to hide it in scripture. He made some terrible mistakes. But you know what God says of David? Even though he was imperfect, God said, that's a man after my own heart. If anyone knew how to connect to the heart of God, it was David. And here's the thing about David. Interestingly enough, and maybe some of you are like this, like you struggle to connect to God like just through all the information. That David was a musician. He wrote many of these songs and many of these poems to God. He was a musician by trade. And, and the Psalms, by the very nature, are, are songs and poems written and played with a harp to God. He's a musician. And maybe some of you, you're an artist. Maybe you connect to God through painting or drawing or, or writing stories or, or writing poetry or singing songs or playing music. David's your guy. He understood something about connecting to the heart of God. Here's what he says in Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. The Psalm of David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So what he's saying in that first line, bless the Lord, O my soul, he's saying everything that's in me, all that I can muster up in my mind and in my heart, I'm bringing it all to God to bless him. And that's kind of opposite of the way we approach God. We typically approach God like this. God, bless me. I've got these things and these situations, these circumstances. I have this health issue. I've got a friend situation. God, please bless. Lay your hand on these things in my life. We typically address God first like that or we gravitate to it. But David starts out the exact opposite. He's saying, no, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. And it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. He's saying, I want you to remember. I want you to not forget the things that God has done. He wants to train our hearts to have gratitude for the things of God and the things that he's done and all that he is. This much I know is true of your life. 
And it's true of everybody. Now, there are some people who are wired a particular way, and it's going to be much heavier for some people than others, and some people are more stoic. But everyone in this room deals with stress, anxiety, and fear. All of us do. To some degree, we know what it's like to deal with circumstances and situations in our life that cause a lot of stress, and for some, a lot of anxiety, and for some, it's just downright fear. We look at the situation, we know we can't control it, and it's frightening to us. And everyone deals with it. That's the thing. The, the normal human experience is that we deal with these things. And what David is saying is, in those moments, you need to remember all that God is and what he's done. You have to take your mind and train it. And here's the thing. You can remember things. Everyone in this room can remember things. You can remember your like teachers when you were a kid. You can remember uh, lyrics to songs from when you were a kid. You can remember quotes from movies. Like you remember circumstances and situations and you remember, like we have no problem remembering. So why do we have to be told to remember God? I'll tell you why. Because some of you remember what God has done in your life, don't you? You can think back. Like you remember, like every week when I communicate the gospel, the beauty of that God loves us. And even though that we're sinners, he sent his son to die on a cross to be raised from the grave to pay the penalty for sin. And many people in this very room, they make a moment and they raise their hand to God and say, I'm in with you, God. I want you. Please forgive me of my sin. That they remember in the the mercy and the grace of God floods into their life and they remember that. Many of you remember that moment, do you not? In your life, there was a moment for many of you in this room when you experienced that and you started reading scripture and God was just pouring in your heart. You remember that? Many of you remember times when God answered prayer in your life? God did stuff in your life, had a dream in your life. Like you, you have moments when God of the universe broke through to your life. You remember that? Some of you, you remember God correcting you. Like you had like a thing in your life that you shouldn't have been doing and God somehow corrected that. And you're like, even though that was hard, thank you, God, you corrected me. Like you remember those things. So why then, in the midst of stress, fear, and anxiety, do we forget? That's what David's saying. I need you to remember. I need you to remember. You know, you know, Paul understood this a little bit. He wrote about this to the church at Philippi. And he wrote it at a time when he was actually in prison facing a possible death sentence. So if anyone understood fear, anxiety, and stress, Paul got it. And he writes in this letter to the church at Philippi. And he says, do not be anxious. I say it again, don't be anxious for anything. And they're like, seriously, Paul? He's like, yeah, I get you. Like, I understand what you're facing. I'm telling you, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. But here's what I want you to do, people. He said, I want you to take all the stuff that, that stresses you out, the things that you're anxious about, the things that you're afraid of. I want you to take all that stuff and petition it to God. Just put it all in his hands. Say, God, I'm gonna trust you with this. Will you please do something here? I'm gonna give it to you with thanksgiving. That's a heart of gratitude. Like you saying to God, I remind you, God, of all that I've recognized in you. I'm gonna remember what you've done. That's what he's saying. And here's the crazy thing. He says, and then the peace of God, which is beyond your comprehension. You can't fathom why, but when you give thanks, God, when you fully just say, God, it's on you. And now, God, I'm gonna remind you of your promises, remind you of your character, remind you of what you've done. I'm gonna give gratitude towards you. Something happens in your mind and in your heart. This peace starts to flood over you when you start to just give everything to God. And even though you can't explain the circumstance, people would think, why do you have peace in that moment? I can't explain it. Why? That's what Paul was saying. And then he says something really important in verse eight of chapter four of Philippians. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is praiseworthy, 
think about such things. He's saying, I want your mind to gravitate towards these things. You have to train your heart to remember the things of God or your natural reaction is gonna be fear, stress, and anxiety. You'll find a way around it. You'll find a way to numb out. You'll find a way to deal with it, but you won't experience peace. You have to train your heart to remember what God has done. And here's the thing. This brings me to my second point is that God has a track record worth remembering. He really does. Um, I'm gonna give you just five of the things that, that uh, David wrote about. They're amazing things. Um, and he could have gone on all day long, I'm pretty sure. But I'm gonna give you the five that I see. The first one is this, is that God is a rescuer. Verse three. So this God, bless him all my soul, forgetting on his benefits. God, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. God is a rescuer. There he forgives your iniquity. Iniquity is another way of saying sin, things that you've done to offend God. He forgives that. He heals your diseases. Now look, uh, don't get too hung up on that. Um, but here's what he's saying. You have been healed of disease in your life. Um, many of you have been sick. You had a cold. You have you know, had to deal with, with infirmities and things like that, and you got better. God gives people who learn medicine to give to us, and it's all miraculous. And here's the deal. For some of you, the ultimate healing is gonna come in heaven. And we're all facing that at some point. That's who God is. And then he says, and he redeems your life from the pit. This is where the commentators disagree. They, they, they're not sure exactly what David means from the pit here. Because David may not have understood what hell was, but he understood some fashion of what that means. So there's, there's some writers who think he means the pit. That's the pit of life. Have you ever had a situation where you're heading in a direction and you know if you keep going that direction, you're gonna end up in a pit? And sometimes God wakes you up and says, no, don't go there. Don't, don't keep doing that. But you watch other people fall in the pit. Then they end up in the pit of like life destruction, addiction, struggle, strife, you know, fighting, discord. Like you watch it happen in front of you and maybe you recognize, man, God saved me from that. God saves you from the life of the pit. There's also the, the other side of the coin is that this really is talking about eternity. There's some commentators that think this is the, the pit of hell. That... For hell, that was made for the, the rebels who rebelled against God in heaven, the, the angels, the, you know, Satan, who rebelled against God. That was made for them. And then basically, God is not gonna put his goodness there. And anyone who says, I don't wanna be with God, he says, fine, I have a place just for you. And you don't have to have me. It, my goodness won't be there. And yet, he sends his son down to die on a cross so that we wouldn't have to have the pit. We could be rescued from that. God is a rescuer. God is a merciful and gracious God. He is merciful and gracious. The, and skip down to verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. I mean, this is incredible. That he is he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's not always gonna chide, nor keep his anger forever. Look, God gets angry. But there's no hiding that. Uh, you know, I, I get angry. I'm sure anyone who has kids gets angry. Like, my kids fight, and I get mad. Like, like stop, 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 stop. I'm angry, stop. Like, I don't, my anger doesn't last. I love my kids. Like, I just, I'm mad in the moment. God gets angry. He looks at some of the stuff we, we do, and he goes, why are you doing that? Stop, stop. You know, I, I think God gets mad. He's saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna let my anger determine how I'm dealing with your life. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Why? That first line, because the Lord is merciful and gracious. Do you know, there's a big difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting more than you deserve. 
So let me give you an illustration like this, okay? So you guys know Schrock Road out here is actually a 25 mile per hour road. You guys know that? So let's say today you leave church and you're like, man, I'm feeling good. Like God connected with God today. The worship was awesome. The kids serving, all that was just awesome. And you're feeling good and you're not thinking and your favorite song comes on and the sun's shining and you just, you get pulled over by a cop. You know, you're, you're doing 40 in a 25. He pulls you over and you know it's a ticket. It's probably a hundred dollar fine. You know that. So he pulls up to you and he rolls up and he says, hey, uh, do, you, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, I don't want to say it. <laughs> and he goes, you were doing 40 in a 25. That's a hundred dollar fine. And you look at him and said, because Ed said this in church today, I'm going to go ahead and accept it and say, yes, sir. I deserve that hundred dollar fine. Mercy would be him saying to you, you know what? I'm going to let you off with a warning today. That's mercy. You don't get what you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is similar, like a, like a cousin, but not exactly the same thing. So grace is getting more than you deserve. So imagine you're driving out here on Shrock. You're doing 40, every, same scenario. You're doing 40. The cop pulls you over and he, he rolls up on you and says, hey, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, I don't want to say it. He goes, you say, well, because I just came from church and Ed talked about it. I was doing 40 in a 25. I think I deserve a $100 ticket. He goes, oh, I noticed that. That's not why I pulled you over. Okay, officer, why'd you pull me over? And you're thinking, what else did I do? What's going on? Did I not do the life? I mean, you're going through the Rolodex in your head. And he says, well, this morning I woke up and I felt so good. I took $100 from my wallet. And I said, the first person I see on Shrock, I'm gonna give him a hundred bucks. You're the one. Do you see, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting more than you deserve. God is merciful and gracious. That's who he is. He's a rescuer. He's merciful and gracious. God's love is immeasurable. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. This is who God is. You cannot measure his love. The writer, David, is saying, look, look up as high as you can go and try to measure that because it's higher than that. His love is more than that. That's what he's trying to say to us. That's God's love. How do you know that? Because as far as east is from west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Look, some of you, when you come in this room and when you think about your relationship with God, you carry some sin weight in your life. Like, you know what you've done and you can't forget it. Like, there are things, like, you look at the cross and you know, okay, I know God will forgive me. I've heard the message of the cross. I know he rose from the grave. I know he'll forgive me. But deep down, you have those things in your life. When you look at those, you feel like you cannot be forgiven for that. And you're waiting for the moment that God's finally gonna pay you back. You carry it around like shame. And it holds you back like an anchor. And I gotta tell you something, none of that is true. None of that is true. He says, he takes your sin and throws it as far as east is from west. That's just a metaphor, meaning he chooses to forget your sin. He doesn't deal with you according to your sin. For some of you in this room, this is, this is why you're here today, because you need to hear this. You need to let it go because he did. You need to not allow that shame to dictate anything in your life. That's just how the enemy rubs at you and points at you. He chose to forgive that because he paid for it with his own son's blood on the cross. 
you need to understand his love is immeasurable. Are there scars in our life that we get from sin? Yes. Are there costs to be paid? Yes, there are some sins that we commit and it just costs us something. It's true. But there is no shame. There is no condemnation for those who are now in Christ Jesus our Lord. No condemnation. He chooses to forget. You need to allow your heart to forget and become free. God is a rescuer. He is merciful and gracious. His love is immeasurable. And here's one of my favorite ones, verse 14. God knows you personally. Here's what it says, verse 14. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Now, I read through this and then I read through it and then I read through it and then I read through it and it finally hit me. God knows our frame and he knows our dust. That's another way of saying, I know you personally. I know what you're made of. I can sum you up in a second because I made you. I know what you're made out of. It's another way of saying, I know that you struggle. I know that you're prone to sin. I know that you go back to the same sin over and over and over again. I know that you struggle with your identity and your insecurities and your shame and your guilt. I know that you struggle with selfishness. I know who you are. I know how you're limited. I know how you're weak. I know how some of you are prone to this and some of you are prone to that. I know all of that. I know that you're dust. I know your frame. I know your weaknesses. I know you. This isn't corporation God here. Do you know what corporation looks like? I mean, let me give you an example. Um, I, I cut my finger and I go and get a Band-Aid, Band-Aid brand, which I think is Johnson & Johnson Corporation. And I get it on there and I put it over top of the cut and in a couple days it heals up, right? Like imagine getting a letter from the CEO saying, Ed, I heard about your cut, man. Dude, that's rough. You know, you can get an infection and that can be difficult. I'm so grateful we put the time in to make sure you had the right product because we care about you, Ed Travers. And so put that Band-Aid on there, man, and let it do its job, bro. Come on. I'm with you in this. No, he's, I have no idea. He doesn't know who I am. He's just making a product and I get the benefit of the product. That's not God. That's not corporation God. God knows you personally. He knows what's going on in your life. Jesus said it like this. God knows every hair on your head. That's another way of saying, I know you. That's God. He is a rescuer. He is merciful and gracious. His love is immeasurable. He knows you personally. And lastly, God is faithful to the generations of those who love him. Here's what it says in verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And on his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. To those who, who seek the Lord, who wanna follow him, wanna honor him with their life, who, who've received the grace and mercy of God through the cross, for those who wanna follow him, he's saying, my love for you is from everlasting to everlasting. I mean, it's never gonna stop. You're never gonna not feel his love for the rest of your life. He loves you. And to your children and your children's children. It's like a deal where he says, look, you come to me, I'm gonna look out for your kids and your grandkids. Now, God is not a bully. He won't make anyone believe in him. What he does is he pursues them. He, he's like he wraps a mirror around them, five million mirrors, and every mirror reflects his glory and majesty. And he surrounds his, these children, these grandchildren, with a way of saying, look, I'm gonna pursue them because I love you. I'm gonna go after your children and grandchildren with my own love just because you choose to love me. I mean, do you want something more than that for your kids and grandkids? that God himself would promise to pursue them. Now, God is not gonna make them choose him, but it's like he sets it up. He goes after them with his love and grace and mercy. It's, you know, we can lock all this information in our mind that this is who he is, 
And yet we can completely forget when life gets stressful and difficult, we're full of anxiety and fear. It's like we forget. Like we look at these things and we remember them and yet we, we can forget them in those moments. And I feel like God's saying, don't forget. Don't forget. I, um, I was thinking how much I, I wanna give to my, my two daughters, like how much I want them uh, want for them in this life. I, I, first and foremost, I want them to know God, not know about him. I want them to know God. That's my number one prayer. And it's been their whole lives. I just pray, God, that they would know you, that they would understand. That's my heart. But I have other things I want for them. I, I want them to know me. I want them to know my morality or my ethics and things I like, things that I want to share with them, the way I laugh. I, I want them to know about, you know, uh, uh, hobbies. And I want to share all that with them. But that's not exactly what I want for them. What I want, I want them to know Jesus and I want them to know how much I love them. I want a track record in their lives where they can look back and go, man, my dad loved me here and here and here and here. I want them to know. I want to drive it into their souls. We have a saying in our house that came about a particular thing that happened. I'm going to share it with you. I shared it a long, long time ago, but I think it's worth repeating for most of you who haven't heard. So I want to share about my youngest daughter, Carly. This is a picture of my family when they were little. That's me holding Carly, and that's my daughter, Abby, and my wife, Tammy. And Carly was about that age when this happened. She was just a little thing. And one particular night, I was sitting down, and she was off in the hallway. And it was late at night, or later at night, and it was time for bed. And she was kind of throwing a tantrum. And as you know, kids can do. They get tired and grumpy and whatever, you know. So she's throwing this little tantrum. And, and uh, she looks over me. She's just crying. Her face is red. She's crying. She looks at me. She goes, Daddy, I hate you. And she's looking at me like, what are you going to say? And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, like, my mind is now spinning. I'm thinking, this is exactly why I had kids, you know? That one day, I would just bring them home from the hospital, just ready to raise them up so they can tell me how much they hate me. This is awesome, you know? And, and I'm thinking, like, what do you say to this moment? Well, now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I could respond this way or this way or this way and just tell her to go to bed. Like, and here's what came out of my mouth. I said, Carly Ann Travers, I love you anyway. And she went, I mean, she just lost it. Like, she has all the anger and the rage, and now she took it up a level. And she looks at me and goes, Daddy, I hate you. <laughs> She's looking at me. I said, Carly Ann, I love you anyway. And this went on back and forth and back and forth. And finally, Mama stepped in. I think Mama knew we were having a battle of wills, and it was just clashing. And she, she took Carly, she went up to bed, and that was that, right, for the night. Next morning, in the kitchen... I've got my arm around Tammy and Carly comes up and wraps her arm around my leg and she says, Daddy, I love you anyway. We have a saying in our house that I want them to know for the rest of their lives. I want their children to know it. I want my great-grandchildren to know I love you anyway. I want them. I'm, it's like I'm doing all I can to drive it in their souls. Isn't that what God did to us? Isn't he driving it into our souls? He is a rescuer. He is merciful and gracious. His love is beyond measure. He is, knows us personally and he is faithful. It's like he's trying to drive it in. What more has he got to do? I know what he'll do. He'll send his son to die on a cross. That'll do it. The incredible sacrifice of his son. And, and here's the thing. When you recognize all this, you train your heart to recognize the gratitude towards God. Gratitude leads to praise. This is the last thing. I want to do this fast. David says this, and he almost loses his mind here. He says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts and his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
Like David starts out, I'm bringing all I can to you, God. And then he starts listing out, God, I think about this when I think of you. I think about this. And he just goes on and on and on. And finally, with, with all that gratitude in his heart, he just spills. He says, your throne, God, your position over all eternity, over all creation, you are God. Bless your name. He's like, and, and you angels, like you should praise him too. You angels up there, you should be. Now look, there are certain angels that all they do is praise God. It's like he's telling them, don't stop doing it. You need to praise God. Do you see what I see? Praise him. You mighty ones who are obeying his word, all his ministers, anyone who wants to serve God, he said, do you see God? Do you worship him? And then he goes one step further, verse 20, and bless the Lord, all his works in all the places of the dominion, everything that he's done, he's saying, I want you to bless him. He's saying to all of creation, bless God. Praise him. I'm reminded of, of Luke 19 when on Palm Sunday, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem in glory and all the people are laying down their palms and they're just singing on his praises. And some of the religious leaders who were jealous come to him and say, Jesus, you need to tell your, your people to calm it down a little bit. And Jesus said, really? Because if they stop praising, the rocks are gonna cry out. All of creation should be praising God. And this is what I know that when gratitude wells up in your heart, it combats the sin nature that's also there. There's something in us that when we feel stressed and anxious and fearful, the sin nature wants to take over and wants to like take over our life and find a way to numb out, find a way to not feel these things, find a way out of it, to lash out at people, to lash out at ourselves. Sin nature wants to take over and gratitude combats all of that. The Spirit of God in us, when we allow him and cooperate with what the Spirit's trying to do in us, it just does something in us and it combats the sin nature. I'm not even just talking about stress and fear and anxiety. I'm talking about boredom, selfishness. Those want to rise up too. We need to remember and train our hearts to remember God. Let me, let me tell you a couple of things I've noticed. The people who are most contagious in the kingdom of God are full of gratitude. It's almost like you can't do anything to them. They're going through a hard time and they look at it and go, God's gonna use that. God will give me strength in the midst of this. You'll see, you watch. Like, yeah, but, but your, your situation doesn't look like it. Yes, I know, but all these situations in my life, he keeps using them over and over again. In fact, he's used this in order to help other people. He's brought other people to Jesus because of these struggles. Like, what are you supposed to do to a person like that? And they seem to have more joy, even though the situation around them might be difficult. Those people are contagious in the kingdom of God. And yet I know believers who are almost the opposite. That it's almost like, and, and this is true, it's like they get a little bit older and they get grumpier. They get complaining. It's because they're looking at life around them going, man, society is changing and I don't like it. And I don't like some of these people. I don't like some of the stuff. I don't like the way they're acting. I don't like the way they listen. I and mean, they, they just get kind of angry. And I get it. Like, I look at people too, and I think, man, there are reasons to be angry. That my, my wife got a shirt. It says, Jesus loves you, and I'm trying. <laughs> I get it, man. I, I look at the same thing you look at. The difference is though, those people are never contagious for the kingdom of God. Never. God wants us to have a heart of gratitude. Are these things true? Yes, you might be absolutely right when you're looking around and seeing things that you see and watching things that you see and, and, and experiencing things you experience. You might be absolutely right when you look at them and say, this is not okay. You might even have a righteous anger in you. That's, that's true. But there's a difference between those who have gratitude in their hearts towards God and those who are just flat out grumpy and complaining. All right. So how do we connect our heart to God? I'm gonna give you some challenge, some homework. Some of you are like, homework in church? Yes, you came on that day. 
Congratulations. All right, here's, here's the homework. So what I want you to do, it's my challenge to you. Every day this week, I want you to wake up. Before you get to the floor, I want you to praise God for something. Anything. You can praise him for who he is. Think about his character, and maybe that's a praise that you start with in the morning. It might be something that he's done that you, you've experienced or you start to witness about life that he's done. Or it might be a way he's answered prayer in your life. It might be the way he's impacting your life. I don't care what it is. I want you to wake up in the morning and say, God, help me to recognize you this morning and think about something about him and then tell him, remind him, God, I see this about you. I want you to, I want to praise God for this. And here's how this homework works. I want you to do it on Monday and then I want you to record it somewhere. Maybe a little piece of paper you put in your Bible or maybe on your phone that you keep a record. And on Monday, you have one, but on Tuesday, you have another one that's different, but you now have two. So on Tuesday morning, I want you to remember both of them. On Wednesday morning, three. By the time you get to the end of the week, I want you to have seven things by next Sunday that you are actively praising God for. And it can be a fast prayer. Just recognize God and praise him. I want you guys to do this. I want you to train your heart to be full of gratitude. You know, Jesus had a couple things that he did that he asked us to do. Because I think these ordinances are purposeful, but one of them is just baptism. We're gonna have a baptism coming up. I think we're gonna have it next week if, if that works out that way. If you are a follower of Christ and you haven't been baptized, you should get baptized. Because you can't say, I follow Christ and then not follow his direction for your life. He is asking all of his believers to be baptized. That's how it works. So if you haven't done that, you should do that. You can find me later. You can find me out in the hall. You can send me an email, a phone call, whatever. I'll connect with you. I'll help you on that road. But that's one of the ordinances we remember God by obeying him in baptism. The second ordinance is particularly about memory and it's called communion. He asked the church to do this, that every time you take communion, I want you to remember me. Remember the night of the arrest, he took the bread and he broke it and he looked at his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. Now they did not understand, right? They didn't get it, but we understand what happened. And he said, every time you eat, I want you to remember me. Then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant. My, my blood is a promise to you that my blood will be shed for the remission of sins for all who would believe. He said, every time you take this, I want you to remember me. And so he gave us that ordinance to remember him so gratitude would fill up in our hearts. We're gonna take that in a second, but here's what I'm gonna say. If you are someone who is gonna take this, you're basically declaring something over your life that you have recognized your sin and said, I'm sorry to God. You have recognized that he's the answer and you received Jesus to be the Lord and Savior over your life. So when you take it, you're remembering that in your life and you're declaring it back to God, I, I remember you. So if you've not done that, I'm gonna say, don't, don't take this. I, I'm just saying it's not smart to declare something that's not true of your life. And I'll talk to you about that in a second, but for everyone else, let's remember him together. the body of Christ broken for us. The blood of Christ shed for the remission of sins for all who would believe to remember him together. Here's what we're gonna do as we kind of close out this moment. We're, gonna, we're just gonna pray for a second and we're gonna, we're gonna worship one last time. So I'm gonna ask you to stand.
for those who are like me, that you declare the, the body and blood of Christ over your life, I'm gonna ask you just to kind of close your eyes and bow your head and talk to God and say, God, help my heart to remember and be grateful towards you. Teach me something new about you this week. God, help me to connect to you as I train my heart to be grateful. Maybe for some of you, you've allowed your mind and heart to get caught up in other things. Maybe for you, it's to say to God right now, God, I'm sorry. Capture my mind and heart again this week. Maybe for some of you, um, as I was talking, you'd say, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever actually done that. I don't know that I've received the grace and mercy of God. I've received his gift by submitting my heart to Christ. All he wants from you is a step of faith. It's a faith step to say to God, thank you, please forgive me. That if you, if you wanna do that, you simply say to God right now, God in heaven, I believe in you and I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross. I believe he rose from the grave. And then call out to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I'm asking you to please forgive me of my sin, I'm sorry. And say, Jesus, will you, will you lead my life? Help me to follow you. Please accept Jesus, this little simple step of faith right now. You need to know that he works with any level of faith, but he wants your faith. And when you cry out to him, that's what you're doing. You're taking a step of faith. What it means to be a follower of Christ is that when you sense Jesus leading you to do something, you just try to do that very thing. One of the things that Jesus said was that if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you for my Father in heaven. I wanna help you take that first step of faith today. That if you just prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to acknowledge Jesus. Here's how I want you to do it. Between you and me, acknowledge between you and me and God who's watching. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand up and say, today was my day. If that's you, anywhere in the room, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand up. As I see you in the back, several of you, anyone else, raise your hand high enough I can see. Yes, I see you there in the back and put your hand down. Father, I know you have a purpose for our lives and you know what we're going through. I pray for those who are taking first steps with you that you would meet them where they're at. They would sense your love and forgiveness and mercy. God, for those in the room who are struggling uh, with fear and anxiety and, um, and stress, God, I pray you would meet them in that this week. Train their hearts to be grateful. God, that we would stop thinking about ourselves so much and start thinking more about you. Train our hearts to do that. It's in your son's precious name we pray, amen. Just as we get ready to sing this, this last little bit, if you feel like God's stirring up in you to take a next step, I'm gonna ask you just in this moment, just get out of your seat and head back to my back left. There's a place back there called Next Steps. And maybe you're not sure what your next step is. Well, they have resources back there, books and things they can give you. They'll pray with you. They can help give you some guidance. Just head back there and uh, just in this moment while we're singing and, uh, and connect, okay?